please open your Bibles to the book of Exodus, the 24th chapter. Exodus chapter 24 in your Schofield Bible, page 100. We'll be reading the 9th through the 13th verses. We'll read the verses responsibly. The 12th verse is the text verse for this morning's message. Shall we stand, please, as is our custom here at First Baptist Church, to stand with the reading of the Word of God. Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in his clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand. Also they saw God, and did eat and drink. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount, and be there. And I will give thee tables of stone, and a law, and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. And together on the thirteenth verse... And Moses rose up, and his minister Joshua, and Moses went up into the mount of God. And let's pray. Father, we are indeed grateful for the opportunity of being here today. We're thankful for our church. There are those of us who have been coming for decades. There are others who have been coming for quite some time, others who have not been here long, but who enjoy the services just as much as anyone else. And there are those who are visiting among us. And so it's quite a large order to fill every need that might be present here. But we have a God who's capable. We have a book that is unsearchable. And we have a preacher who's dedicated to the work and to the ministry and to the preaching of thy word. And so if we'll listen, it's pretty well guaranteed. There's there's something here for us this morning. Help us to listen, to hear with with the uh, the attitude that we can get something from the message. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak this morning on a very unusual topic. The sermon is so simple that I hesitate to even bring it. On the other hand, it is such an important thing in life that I bring it urgently to you. Uh, the title of our message is a play on words. The title is, Wherever You Are, That's Where You're At. Wherever you are, that's where you're at. Any questions so far? I, I trust so far you understand what I'm saying. I uh, want to read for you one verse without your turning to it. You read it a while ago. It's my text. And the Lord said unto Moses, Come up to me into the mount and be there, and I will give thee tables of stone and the law and commandments which I have written, that thou mayest teach them. I read that in my Bible reading, <clears throat> just casually reading the Bible. And there they were. Two words, I couldn't understand why they were there. The Lord said to Moses, come up 
to me into the mount and be there. Well, good night. That's where, if he comes up in the mount, that's where he's going to be. Why did the Lord say, <clears throat> be there? But the Lord was saying, Moses, come up in the mount and bring your mind with you. Don't let your mind be A-W-O-L. The Lord knew human nature. <clears throat> he said, now Moses, come up in the mount. Now, if all he wanted was Moses' body to get up there in the mount, he just said, come up in the mount. But he said, when you get here, Moses, be here. He said, come up to me in the mount and be there. Those two words, that's all. Father, help me as I speak and our people as they hear. And I pray you help us to be here while we speak on be there. In Jesus' name, amen. This is how I was always amazed to go somewhere together. Because even though I've only been there one time, I know my way around. She said, I don't understand how in the world you can, you just know where to go. And, uh, but the reason I do is when I am somewhere, I'm there. I, I'm watching what's going on. I, I have no more fun, Ms. Hiles, than when I decide to let her find the way back. <laughs> we, we've been to Maui, and uh, we parked in a parking garage, and so uh, we started back to the car, and I said, you, you lead, and I'll follow. Well, she said, Jack, that'd be no problem at all. And so uh, I just followed. And she pressed along there, you know how she walks, and she pressed along there. And uh, she she looked and she looked and she looked, and uh, the truth is she'd still be looking for the car if I had just kept on following her. But she says, <coughs> "I'm amazed at how you seem." <coughs> no, we got to the airport. It was late at night, about nine o'clock at night. I rented a car. I, I I just took off right down the right road, turned right on the right road, took off down a highway, turned left on that highway, followed the highway. And she said, how can you know where you are? And, of course, the answer is, wherever I am, that's where I'm at. And uh, so God said to Moses, now, Moses, he said, I want you to come up the mount. But he said, when you get here, I want you to be here. He said, come up in the mount and be there. People often ask why I do not want interruptions while I'm preaching. And that the reason is, I don't want my mind wandering off what I'm saying. I don't want to wonder, what's that fellow want back there? How long, how long is he going to be back there? Is he going to stand back there all the time? I want you to sit up and listen to me and not be walking around while I talk because I want to be here while I'm preaching. Now, one of the great secrets of life is wherever you are, be there. God said, Moses, come up in the mount and with me in the mount and be there. You husbands, when you're at home, be there. I said, be there. <laughs> Don't hide yourself behind a newspaper or park yourself in front of a ball game or stare at the television. When you sit in the house, I'm home every night. No, you're not. No, you're not. Your carcass is there. Your body is there. But you're not there. Now, what we need is for America to have a bunch of husbands and fathers, when they come home at night, you be there. Be there with your wife and be there with your children. When you come home, be there. Your wife, your husband comes home from work, 
Meet him at the, at the door with a big hug and a big kiss. One that lasts about 15 minutes long. And, uh, and a lot of goo in it. And, uh, and you know what I'm talking about. Like every wife is supposed to do to her husband. But when he comes home, you be there. Don't say, hey, is that you? Just holler out, who are you expecting? Now, the truth is, when your husband comes home, be there. When you <laughs> children and young people come home from school, don't park yourself in your room and, and put your hear, ear, earphones on. In fact, parents, put their earphones in the garbage can. <laughs> if what they're listening to is worth, worth them listening to, it's worth you listening to. And uh, But don't put your stupid earphones on or lock, lock yourself in your room. When you come home, be with your mom and be with your dad. We need a revival in American homes of being there while we're there. Moms, be there for your family. Dads, you be there when you're home. Children, you be there when you come home. When you come to church, be there. I was looking this morning in Sunday school at faraway looks that you folks get, get in your eyes. And you college students are very adept at that. And staring off into space, thinking about him, or wishing there were a him. But but uh, but uh, uh, I'm saying, when you come to church, hey, something good might happen here. I might say something good worthwhile after a while, and you might not hear it. I'm saying, when you bring your body to church, be there. God said to Moses, Moses, come up from the mount with me in the mount. And he said, when you get here, be here. I want your attention while you're here. I want your mind while you're here. I want your thoughts while you're here. When you come, come, come to church, be there. When you sing with the congregation, be there. I promise you that 90% of you folks sang this morning, you didn't think about a word you sang. When you sing the, the, the song, be there, come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for shouts of loud praise. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take him seated. Seated for thy courts of love. Hey, there's something wonderful in that song. Be there while you sing. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. His grace has led me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. When we've been there ten thousand years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to, hey, be there while you sing. Must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone. Then there's a cross for me. Alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my sovereign die at Calvary, at the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away? Majestic sweetness sets enthroned upon the Savior's brow. Ladies and gentlemen, the songs in that book right there have messages amazingly wonderful. Sing them, but be there while you sing them. When you're at the Lord's Supper table, be there. Don't just sit there with a faraway look in your eye. Hold that little, listen to me, hold that little piece of bread in your hand and say, Thank God for the broken body of my Savior. And while you hold that little piece of bread, while you place that bread in your mouth, be there. And while you hold that little cup, uh, be there. And stop and think, this represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? 
in front of me across the desk, having marital problems. The future of their children is at stake. Their unborn children, maybe, their future is at stake. I remember as I counseled with that couple the day that my dad left our home for good. I say for good, it's for bad. As I counseled with this couple, would you either take that fellow out or would you have him sit, sit beside him there? I, I, the folks back there need to hear you, so help him out if you would, please. i got some things to say. <clears throat> now listen carefully. Here's a couple sitting across from me. Their marriage is at stake. Listen, the future of their children is at stake. Their grandchildren <laughs> at stake. And there they sit across from me. I must be there. And so I remember the day that my father, that Monday morning, walked across my body as I was on my knees begging him to stay and left our home never to return. I remember those days that my dad would call and say, son, could I see you? I'd go down to the bus station or I'd go down to the streetcar line and meet my dad there. Maybe a little restaurant for 10 minutes or maybe a drugstore for a milkshake or something for about 10, 15 minutes back in the days when you had uh, drug st- milkshakes and, and sandwich bar at drugstores. And I'd sit there, and then after about 30 minutes or less, I'd walk back home, wondering why my daddy couldn't come back home. And I'd sit there and look at that couple beside me and realize they have children in the nursery, in our Sunday school, or in our schools. I've got to help them. I've got to salvage that marriage. I've got to do what they need. And if I am, I must be there. I'm not going to go through my life absent from the body and uh, with the mind and present with the, with the body, I plan to be there and I plan to enjoy every single minute of it because I'm going to be there. <laughs> I see little mother bringing her children along. If I don't get that couple together, I must be there. A young picture boy comes for his senior appointment at Howells Anderson College. Here's a God-called man, not just a senior in college, 21 years old, but a man called of God Almighty, proclaimed that blessed book. He sits across my desk from me for an appointment. <laughs> I see his future. I see thousands and tens of thousands of souls hanging in the balance. I see people on some foreign mission field, perhaps, who will die without God and spend eternity in a Christless grave, eternally without God, unless that can fellow goes there. I must be careful, and that's why I get on my knees before everybody comes in my office and says, Oh God, you've got to help me. There's coming a couple to my office that needs counsel. Their marriage is at stake. A preacher boy is coming. His future is at stake. His wife's future is at stake. His children's future is at stake. Hundreds and thousands and tens of thousands of people. I must be there. If I can say one thing to you this morning, that will cause your life to be rich and give you a life that is so rich and full, you'll be glad forever. Wherever you are, be there. A young person sits across the desk asking my advice about dating. In many cases, they're going to go to whatever college I suggest. In many cases, they're going to date a young man. Most of our young people here, inner circle young people, will not date a young man without Brother Howell's permission. And that's not a bad idea. <laughs> and I, uh, they sit there, and they, here's what they say. I'm going to do what you say. Now, I'm not saying you ought to do what I say. I'm saying you ought not to do what I say you ought not to do. 
Well, I want veto power. And, and your parents ought to have the same veto power, by the way. But I sit there, and the young person says to me, Brother Howes, I'll do what you say. I, I want to date him, but if you tell me not to, I won't. Or I want to date her, but if you tell me not to, I won't date her. Brother Howes, I'll do what you say. Ladies and gentlemen, when I hold a family in my, their future in my hands, when I hold a young preacher boy's future in my hands, when I hold a teenager's future in my hands about whom she dates or whom she marries or whom he dates, who marries, I haven't got time to have my mind, mind wandering back to Hawaii or looking at the beach. And of course, not what's on the beach. I would never look at that. But, but I have not got time to let my mind wander back. I've got to be there. Hey, as you go through life, don't miss it. It's a wonderful world. A young lady not getting married carries a baby in her body. As I talk to her and hold her future and the future of that innocent baby, I must be there. I'm meeting with the educators. In my office, the principals, the educators, as we make decisions that will affect the lives of thousands of people, I must be there. I'm meeting the pastor school where more, more lives, more preachers have been called to preach in pastor school than any other single place in the history of mankind. More churches have been transformed because of pastor school. And there we sit around the table and, and decisions make. I must be there. I must stop and realize, hey, this is big league stuff. Here's a big league book. This is a big league institution. He's a big league God, and his work is big league all the way. I must be there. When I get in our car, I want to be there. <laughs> I often remember just getting in the car. Those first three years we were married, we had no car. And you remember, sweetheart, that night that, that, that Arlie and his wife, Arlie and Betty, let us borrow their car in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And you and I were alone in the car together. Wow. That's uh, our first date, wasn't it? Anyway, we, we, we were married in the paratroopers. She was. I was living in town while she was a paratrooper. But we drove that car all the way from Fayetteville to Raleigh. Just like Andy Griffith would. And now we get in that lovely car that you bought for us. Air conditioning. If it hits some ice, it tells us. Ice. Of course, we knew it. By the time we slid in the car in front of us, we knew it. It says, you just slid through ice. When I get in the car, I, I plan to be there. I like to get in the car and start it. Just just twist that thing. Start. And remember that old crank. <coughs> Model T4. You'd crank it, then crank it, and all of a sudden it would go the other way. And <laughs> I want to be there. <laughs> when I uh, when I turn on the light switch, I try to be there. I try to remember the kerosene lamps and lanterns. When I shower, I don't want to be there. 
I hate hate to bathe. I hate it. You can't do anything while you bathe but bathe. You can't outline a sermon while you bathe. You can't make notes while you bathe. All you can do is bathe. Anything, you can just do one thing at a time. I don't like to do it. But when I bathe or shower, I be there. I like to remember that number two tub I used to sit in. Try to sit in one sometime. Buy you a number two tub and just get in it and try to sit down. That's the way we used to do it. Every Saturday, Scouts Honor, once a week, that's all we bathe. If we needed it, all day. Daddy would get in it, same water. Water came out of the well. It would be heated on the wood stove, poured in there, then more water out of the well to make, make the hot water uh, uh, bearable. And Daddy would sit there and bathe, and then he'd leave, and Mama would sit there and bathe, and she'd leave, same water. And Ernie would get in the same water and bathe, and <coughs> then she'd leave. And I'd stand and look at that water. And I'd say to myself, I'm cleaner than that water is. But I like to, when I take a shower, I like to stop and remember that number two tub or that little place we used to live when we first got married where we shared two bathrooms with eight other couples. I'm trying to say I am not going to eat a meal and not be there. I'm not going to drive my car and not be there. I'm not going to enjoy electricity and not be there. I'm not going to turn the thermostat up or down and not be there. I refuse to go through life and not be there. I am not going to go through life. My mind one place and my body somewhere else. God said to Moses, get up here in the mouth and be there. I set the thermostat at home. I try to be there. I try to remember the wood stove. When we enter into our little condominium, I try to be there. I stop and think of the shacks where Mom and I and Erlene used to, used to live. I remember that time that snake crawled up through a crack in the floor. We saw a snake crawling across the floor. Not a little shack. I remember the, the newspaper stuck in the windows. So because we couldn't afford to put a new window pane in. Little two-room shacks, an outhouse in the backyard, uh, a, a well off the back porch, and uh, kerosene lamps and lanterns. Bless God, I, I'm living, and you are too. The person in this room today who has the least is living in luxury. Be there. When I put on my shoes, I try to be there. Half the time at least, I'll remember how that when a hole would come in the bottom of a shoe, my mother would take a piece of cardboard and cut that cardboard the same shape as the shoe sole and slide that cardboard inside the shoe. I remember that when I was 14 years old, mother said, Son, we have a coupon from the government. You go down to the Outlet Shoe Store and buy you a pair of shoes. At 14 years of age, I went to Outlet Shoe Store and gave a coupon and, and had my first brand new pair of shoes for myself. And this morning, I wear nice shoes. What kind are they? What? Stacy Adams. Yeah. These shoes cost about $60 a pair. I think it was Paul Burke that gave them to me. He'd worn them out and gave me a pair. I'm saying, I'm saying, look, 
you have a, you'd have enough to praise God for before you got to breakfast if you'd just be there. When you get up in the morning, say, thank God I can get up. Be there. When you walk and turn on the light, thank God for the light. Thank God for the warmth. Thank God for my clothes. Thank God for my breakfast. Be there. When I eat breakfast, I try to be there. I remember that little room we were in from Mrs. Ward. Back bedroom. It's all we had. Didn't even have a hot plate. <laughs> had nothing. I can recall in the mornings we'd wake up and we could smell the bacon and eggs cooking in her kitchen. I thought that must be the, the epitome of luxury, the height of enjoyment, be able to sit at the table and eat a hot breakfast together. My wife and I would sit in there and uh, lie there in bed and get up in the morning and hear, hear the, the, the bacon crackling and, and smell the coffee. I'm sorry, Dr. Peter, the orange juice and carrot juice that is being prepared. And, and and smell the bacon and eggs. Ladies and gentlemen, I now have a kitchen and an electric stove. I now have a kitchen of my own. I can make my own carrot juice. Be there. Be there. When I open the refrigerator, I think of... That number two tub again. It was our bathtub. It was also our refrigerator. The ice man would come by, and we'd buy 25 pounds of ice. My mother would wrap that ice in newspaper to try to keep the ice from melting as much as she could. And she'd put the milk, if we had any, what we had, she'd put it around the edge of that number two tub, and that was our refrigerator. But I have a refrigerator now that makes ice. I mean, right now, it's home making ice. Right now. I mean, when I open that refrigerator and, and get out my carrots and lettuce and turkey's eyeballs, all the other stuff Doctor likes me to eat. And every once in a while, a shovel of peanut butter. I want to be there. Boy, I'd like to reach out and grab some of you faraway people. <laughs> Folks sitting there, your mind is a thousand miles away, and you never take time to be where you're at. Hey, the secret to riches in life, wherever you are, that's where you're at. And I walk to the pulpit. I try to be there. I walked out of my office this morning. And the last thing I did was look at my preacher boys there, the names, and prayed for them. God bless my preacher boys all over the world, on mission fields, <clears throat> around America. Bless my preacher boys today. As I walked in that door this morning and walked down the steps, my mind was on that little church, the Morris Chapel Baptist Church, out in the country. Nineteen members, a little handful of people in this house, and I never thought we'd ever have a hundred people to hear me preach. We'd stop at the First Baptist Church, but go to Texas, they averaged 106 in Sunday school on Sunday morning. We'd stop and watch them as they'd flood in, 106 people. 
We've got almost that many folks in the choir here today. Ladies and gentlemen, I am living in church history. I am living in the greatest church since Jesus said, Upon this rock I'll build my church. I'm seeing more people saved than anybody's ever seen in the history of Christianity since Jesus started the church. In Matthew chapter 10, I'm living in history. I don't plan to be somewhere else. When I come, I want to be here. As I watch the converts walk the aisles, I think often, more often than not, of the first year of my ministry when nobody walked an aisle. When I stand here on Sunday morning after dismissed the service, waiting for the dismissal of the service and that finished baptizing later, I stand here and I watch you as you leave. The crowd seems bigger when it's moving than it is when it's sitting still. And I watch you as you leave and I realize that I'm 73. And I realize that Perhaps my days, months, or years are numbered. I'm here. I savor it. My mama used to say to me, son, we don't have many bites to eat. She said, I want you to count. I want you to chew every bite 16 times before you swallow it. And my mother used to count a lot chew. She said, son, we don't have many bites to eat. I want you to chew every bite 16 times before you swallow it. I'm 73 years old. I promise you 72 of those years or more, wherever I've been, that's where I was. I've savored every moment of it. And I savor every moment, especially as my years multiply. I savor every moment of watching this great crowd. I love this house. I drive in on Sunday morning and see the buses as they're coming in and see them lined up and see folks parking over here and walk across the street and thousands of people walking in. That's good. I want to know what's going on. I want to be there. I feel sorry for you people that don't stop and realize what you have wherever you are. Be there. God said to Moses, be there. When I sing a congregational song, I want to be there. When I pray, I want to be there. When I read my Bible, I want to be there. When I win a soul to Christ, the first thing I do is not grab my New Testament and write another one in so I see how many I've got. Bless God while that convert is praying, the sinner's prayer, <laughs> I stop and realize his creator is listening to him right now. And the angelic Recorder has picked up a pen from Calvary, a splinter off Calvary, and dipped it in the blood of Jesus, and is now writing his name in the Lamb's Book of Life. When I want a soul to Christ, I want to be there. I refuse to go AWOL through life. I refuse to be present with the body and absent with the mind. I refuse to go somewhere and not be there. For wherever I am, that's where I plan to be. So simple, I almost didn't preach it. So simple, I almost was ashamed to bring it out. And yet you'll never hear profundity in a clear explaining you this morning. Moses, I want you to come up with me into the mount.
Moses, Moses, listen, Moses, when you get there, be there. The secret to life, the secret to richness, the secret to happiness, the secret to contentment, the secret to praise, the secret to thanksgiving is wherever you are, be there. This morning, you're here, you're not a Christian. Let me tell you where you are. You are in a place where you can have your sins all forgiven. Be here. Be here. You're in a place where instantaneously you can become a child of God. Be here. Be here. You're in a place where you can have your name written in heaven, and God himself will begin preparing a home for you in the land over the land that is fairer than day. Be here. Be here. Stop and realize. I won a professional man to Christ a few days ago. Very wealthy professional man, a very successful professional man. He cried and he cried and he cried. I called him on the phone about some business a few days later. I didn't bring it up. And he said, Reverend, I have felt so good. I have felt so good since what happened to me a few days ago. For the first time, I'm reading my Bible on a regular basis. What a life. What a life. What a book. What an opportunity when you pray. What a privilege to come to a place like this. What a joy to see people walk the aisle. What a blessing to have nice clothes to wear and a good car to drive and a nice place to live and warmth in your house and indoor facilities for plumbing and a nice place to live and comfortable uh, life and people that love you and a church where you can come and sing the songs of God. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Enjoy your trip through life by simply being there. Be there. Be there. Moses. I got something I want to give you. But I want you to start and realize what you're getting. Moses, I'm writing with my own hand ten things down. And you're going to take this these stones on which my own handwriting, the God of heaven's handwriting, has given ten instructions. Moses, you're about to come up here and get those instructions and represent me to the people. But while you're here, be there. Be there. And that's my message to you. Wherever you are, be there. You'll enrich your life. Would you bow your heads for prayer?